I'm Darren, and I'm one of the pastors here. If you're visiting, I'm grateful that you're here. Would you open your Bibles to the book of Jude? And if you don't know where Jude is, just go to Revelation and turn left. Um, but don't go too fast because you'll miss it. It's, uh, it's like one of those old country roads. It's a little tiny book that's right, it's literally right before Revelation. Uh, we have been in a conversation here about uh, building yourself up. Um, the idea is, so here's where we're going. Like what I wanted to do, and I wanted to start with this, was Jude opens this book with contend for your faith. Okay, that's a rise up kind of thing. Let's contend for our faith. Because we're in a world right now that is contending for all kinds of things, contending against your faith. There was an article just this morning that D. James Kennedy, I mean D. James Kennedy, okay, has been listed as a hate group by the Southern Poverty Law Center, and so he can't, their ministry can't be listed on Amazon Smiles as a donation. D. James Kennedy, a pastor, just a church, because the world is contending for things for them, and so we need to be contending for our faith, and so where I wanted to start was there, but I'm, I'm reading through this book, this little chapter, one chapter long, and he ends it with saying, build yourself, because of this, build yourselves up. So we kind of need to start with that before we move into the contending for our faith. And we're going to, in September, I had uh, lunch, Jim Henderson, our youth pastor, and myself had lunch with my friend Elisa Childers, who is a uh, powerful, uh, she's right here in town, she teaches apologetics to teenagers, why we believe what we believe and she does it in such an amazing way. So starting in mid, actually end of September, we're gonna start, she's gonna be here for five weeks on Wednesday nights. She's gonna be here on a Sunday morning with us, but we're gonna talk about what it means in this culture, adverse to Jesus and to the gospel. How do we contend for our faith? But before we ever get there as a church, we gotta, we gotta be built up. That's what Jude says. That's what he says here, build yourself up your most holy faith. Praying in the spirit, we talked about that last week, about praying in the spirit and what that looks like. And, and this week, I just feel like we gotta stay on the build yourself up part because what on earth does that even mean to build yourself up? And that's what we're gonna talk about. So let's pray. Jesus, would you give us wisdom this morning as we dive into this into this teaching, uh, but into your word. That pray, I just pray that, Lord, it'll be a lamp for us, a light for our path this morning. And it's in your name that we pray. Amen. How many of you know that kids, children, are amazing observers and terrible interpreters? Right? And you were at one point, too. If you were a kid, you remember, you saw things and you interpreted it differently. So kids are very observant. They're watching. They're, they're, they're listening, they're watching, but interpreting, they're not so good at. This actually happened, it's, um, my daughter Maddie is here this morning, she's getting ready to go back to Cleveland, uh, Tennessee this afternoon, so I, I gotta tell this story. She, um, she was a very observant child, still an observant adult, by the way, but she observed me uh, in a, a church sitting around like a, you know, the, the, the church coffee pot is like the water cooler of churches, right? So dudes, we're talking about eating goldfish uh, back in college. Now, I don't know how or why, I don't even remember that, but I remember that's what we're talking about. We're talking about eating goldfish because I was young and stupid too. And she was seven or eight years old. 
Uh, and she's you know, yanking on my pant leg, which she did a lot because she was trying to get my attention. And Maddie, a lot of times, her, and she, her brain would go a lot faster than her mouth could keep up. So she'd be like, dad, 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 dad. Uh, you know, I'd, I'll eat a goldfish. I'm like, oh, no. Well, first of all, I didn't know you were there. Second of all, no, you wouldn't. Um, you don't even like chocolate. Like, you're, there's no way you're eating a goldfish. Uh, don't like broccoli. You don't, I mean, she, I think you, just this last year she started liking chocolate. Maybe the last couple of years. I don't know. So it's six hours later. I'm sitting on the couch with Shannon. Did I mention it's Mother's Day? Because that's kind of an important part of this. Uh, it's Mother's Day, and I hear uh, she's coming down the stairs, boom, 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 like a raptor. Boom, 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 boom. She goes flying around the corner, Daddy, Daddy, I did it. I ate a goldfish. You owe me $1,000. <laughs> now, the reason she said I owed her $1,000 is because I didn't finish with you wouldn't do it. I was like, Maddie, I'll pay you $1,000 right now if you eat a goldfish. No way you'd eat a goldfish. Also important to note, it was a beta fish. <laughs> also important to know, it was Ashley's fish. <laughs> and know that Shannon had no idea what was going on and why did my daughter just eat a goldfish and why do we owe her $1,000? So we, uh, we assigned $900 in an IRA and gave her $100 cash, which she thought was kind of a ripoff because I think she had envisioned like $1,000 in $1 bills that she could roll around in or something. I don't know. Also, she had to tell Ashley that she ate her fish. Um, and I asked her, like, what were you thinking? It wasn't even your fish. She says, well, I was just going to buy her a new one with So what I'm saying is that she observed and then, but she just didn't interpret it because I was kidding, right? Now, in fairness, as an adult, you might still try to take me up on that. You're like, $1,000 right now, I'll do it. But, you know, as a kid, I was, but you know what I'm saying? So as a kid, she just, she didn't understand the nuance of it, right? And I learned a valuable lesson about parenting. For all you oldest childs out there, children, man, I apologize on behalf of parents everywhere. <laughs> we tried. <laughs> um, like, I'm pretty sure that's coming up in therapy someday. I ate the goldfish, and he didn't want to pay me. And great observers, terrible interpreters. When I was 10 years old, just a little bit older than Maddie was at that time, I had uh, cut my knee uh, open with a, with a machete. I had shorts on, and I literally, I mean, split it wide open, like, uh, could see my kneecap. I'm 10, Okay. I, I ran inside uh, to tell my dad, my mom wasn't there, you know, we didn't have cell phones. So I go wake up my dad, my dad was working the night, uh, he worked the night shift at the cement plant, okay, that's, we were that kind of family. So I wake him up and he is completely delirious. So he, uh, he, t he tapes it shut with band-aids and we were poor so we didn't have the good band-aids, like they were the cheap ones. And he went back to bed. So before long, the Band-Aids are falling off because the blood is soaking through and my socks are soaked in blood now. And so I, I finally call my grandma, so I'm basically telling his mom on him. <laughs> right? Although I didn't actually understand that's what I was doing. That's what I was doing. Um, so I called grandma, and she comes up, and I mean, I'll never forget the look later that day when he finally woke up and realized, you got stitches? <laughs> he barely remembered any of it. Now here's the thing. 
when I was a kid, what I observed was a dad who was doing the best he knew how to do with the tools that he had been given from a raging alcoholic father. A dad who ain't never been nowhere, simple guy, who had been like awake for that point, probably 30 hours, who did what he best he knew to do is tape me back together. My dad, who when he was 11 years old, dug the grave for his four-year-old brother who died of leukemia and never spoke of it again. My dad, what I observed was that. But what I interpreted was, well, I'm not allowed to have any problems ever then. I'm not allowed for anybody to know that I ever have a need. What I, what I interpreted was, I'm on my own. I got to figure this out for myself. He didn't say that. He wasn't even implying it. He didn't mean it, but that's what I interpreted it to me. And it wasn't long ago, maybe just even a couple years, maybe three years ago, sitting across the table from, it was actually from Jeff Schulte. He's a friend here in town. He used to pastor a church. And, uh, and I was telling him that story about me cutting my knee open. He says, Darren, I've always told it as a funny story. And you can, I mean, it's funny. I'm calling him, telling his mom on him. He said, Darren, that's not a funny story. That's sad. You were a child. Can you imagine your son? Like, that's a terror. So, and I'm like, whoa, we're we're in public, so I'm not allowed to cry. You know, I'm like, ah. I share that with you this morning because every one of us have dozens of those stories in our life. And when the book of Jude tells you to build yourself up, it's because the world has been tearing you down since you were born. And this is a war for your soul, for your heart. It's not as simple. I challenge you, you go into the Barnes and Noble today. Do people do that anymore? Go to Amazon. You can do it right now on your phone. And you'll see, okay, building yourself up. So the Bible talks about building yourself up. You'll see books about, you know, uh, it's 10 steps to this. Some of the books say it's about physiology. If you just eat better, you're going to be fine. Some books say, oh, no, no, it's about emotions. You got to go to that. Some books, you know, the, the Christian books, a lot of times it's a moral thing. You know, there's the Bob Newhart. You guys remember this Bob Newhart sketch from years ago where he's sitting down as a psychiatrist. He's sitting down across the table from a lady and he's, stop it, stop it. She's telling him, I have this problem. He's like, stop it. Now, in fairness, I've thought that a few times. Just, if you just stop doing that, it'd be a lot easier for you. But the world is full of people that, that want to stop it and haven't for a, a myriad of reasons. Place of Hope is full of people who couldn't just stop it because it was deeper and it was more profound than that. And I'm telling you that because the Bible tells us to build ourselves up in our most holy faith, not build your faith up, build yourself up. And when it says self, yourself, I think the Bible speaks of it more holistically than any other literature ever. If you go to that verse before, and I think it's verse 17, it talks about those who cause divisions, worldly people. The word worldly, if you look in the Greek, is sukotis, I can't say it right. It's actually spelled S or P-S-Y-C-H-U-O-T-O-S, psych, it's your mind. It's where we get our word for, for mind. When Jesus was asked, what is the greatest commandment? He actually quotes the Shema, which is Deuteronomy 6, verses 4 and 5. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one God. And then he goes on to say, love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your strength. Jesus, that's what he quotes in the book of Mark, chapter 12, 
verses 30 and 31, but Jesus says all your heart, your soul, your mind, and your strength. He adds one. And I think he adds mind because in the new covenant living, the heart of who we are is way more even, because inside of us, okay, let me think, let me do this differently. I'm gonna explain it to you the way that I understood it, and if I can understand it, then that means anybody can understand it, okay? I told you about the iPhone, right? That this is my iPhone, and it is a piece of hardware that has an operating system, okay? Two things that are exclusive and yet intertwined with each other. I drop this in the toilet. Be honest with me, who's done that? I see that hand, I see that hand. Oh. It shuts down because the hardware is ruined and the whole thing. So there's times when if the hardware shuts down, then you can't even access the operating system. But look, here's the thing. If you were to look at the, this is my screenshot of my iPhone homepage. No, I know, take a moment, acknowledge your judgments. <laughs> Are you finished? <laughs> okay. All you Enneagram ones are like tight. Oh man, I can't. That is, <laughs> this is what is called the GUI, the graphic user interface. Am I right? Gus the coder, okay. But here's what, and this isn't actually iPhone code behind it, but this is what you see the interface with it, but behind it is the code, okay? And code is just a bunch of ones and zeros and commands, okay? And Gus is looking like that isn't even close to iPhone code. So let's, I knew that, I couldn't find it. So let's go back to, the, the point is, you have an iPhone that has hardware, that has an interactive system that you see, the, the behind the scenes is this code that is what makes it all operate, okay? It, it, you smell what I'm stepping in? You get, so here's where I'm driving with this. You, the Bible tells us, are a spirit, a soul, and a body. 1 Thessalonians 5, Jesus says, your spirit, your soul, and your, your strength, your mind, he talks about, there's this three parts of us, and I think that it's oversimplifying it to say that I am a spirit who has a soul and lives in a body. In the same way that it's oversimplifying it to say that this is an iPhone that has an operating system that lives in a hardware. Because they're all intertwined and intermixed together. And here's what I'm saying. The Bible knows that and acknowledges it and deals with it in a sophisticated way, more sophisticated than any man. Because this morning in here, we're all coming with different stuff that's been torn down inside of us. And where do I start when I build myself up? And if you've got your notes, I'm gonna do a really fast flyby of this. But if you go to the book of Proverbs, look, this is important because it tells us in the book of Proverbs that a broken spirit, right? You, you can be sick in your body, but a broken spirit will ruin you. It's Proverbs 18.4, by the way. The human spirit can endure in sickness, but a crushed spirit who can bear it's important because what Jude is recognizing accurately is that the world wants to shred you. The enemy woke up this morning with one thing on his mind, to steal, kill, and destroy you. And we get really scared and aware of the big picture ethereal stuff, not realizing that this stuff has started in our own hearts. And so I want to say that I think that God has a lot to say with how we build ourselves up, but I want to build a case for why I think it's so complex 
and so difficult for us. And I've got these five things. I'm just going to keep on this slide so you can write them down. You don't have to write them fast. We're going to just blow through them. But when we talk about who we are as humans, we obviously know that there's a physical aspect of who we are. In the Bible, in the book of Proverbs, what better place in the Bible than Proverbs when you're looking for wisdom, for practical information, how do I deal with this? In 1430, it says, a heart at peace gives life to the body, but envy rots the bones. Uh, some of your translations might say passion. The word actually is heat. <laughs> like it's this hot inside of you. But here's the thing. The nuance of this is that there is a physical part of you that affects emotional parts of you. And so it's not as simple sometimes as saying, well, just repent, just stop doing that. Because in some of us, there's a physical thing. If you've ever experienced like a thyroid problem, you know that if the chemical that your thyroid makes stops being made, like it will destroy you inside. And so sometimes in those instances, a medication is not a sin. Sometimes it is a physical problem that is rotting you inside. The second one, emotional. Sometimes it's physical and we need to deal with it in a physical way. Sometimes it's straight up emotional. Proverbs 12, 25, anxiety weighs down the heart, but a kind word cheers it up. It's literally synonymous with a crushed spirit. And that's what we're really talking about is building yourself up. And I'm using the word, in the Old Testament especially, the word heart or the word spirit is generally referring to, in the same way of not calling this my graphic user interface, it's just called an iPhone, the heart is who you are, your passions and what you're driven to do and what you're excited about or not excited. And so it's saying that anxiety weighs that down in you, but a kind word cheers it up. It's suggesting that, hey, if you've ever battled depression, what is the one thing you want to do? Be alone. I don't want to see anybody. And sometimes, because this isn't, it wasn't a medical thing, this might be an emotional thing, what you really need is a friend grabbing you by the hand and saying, no, it's going to be okay. Preaching Jesus to you, just loving on you, that a kind word is what cheers it up. And so sometimes it's physical, sometimes it's emotional, it's relational, sometimes it is moral. Proverbs 28.1, the wicked flee though no one pursues, but the righteous are as bold as a lion. I think he's referring to Leviticus 26, where it talks about if you disobey me, you will flee even though no one is uh, chasing you. But to put it differently, if you're older and you've ever thought the phrase, man, I've been running my whole life and I'm just tired of running. What that is, you saying, I am fleeing even though no one is pursuing. And most times in those, there have been moral decisions that you've made that you're ashamed of and it's toxic and I'm running from it even though no one is pursuing. Understand the, the nuance that the Bible is getting at there. The, those decisions that you made that were moral, now you're, the guilt is chasing you but even though no one else is. And so you do, you'll start feeling guilty for things you did do that maybe you should feel I shouldn't have done that but then you'll also start feeling guilty for things I didn't do and I have no reason to feel guilty for that because the wicked flee when no one pursues but the righteous are as bold as a lion. It, goes on in Proverbs 14, 13 to say that even in laughter the heart may ache and rejoicing ends in grief. It's referring to, I think, the existential philosophical angst. Because here's what it doesn't say. Because I don't know about you, but my first inclination is to relativize that, to say, well, some people, this is for some people. Not me, other people. 
That's not what it says. There is no some people. This is a human condition. An existential problem is this. At your dinner table, if you've got the whole family there, you're blessed to have your whole family there, somebody at that family will be the last person to say goodbye to the family. Everyone else will die before them. Someone. Because that's life. And you might think, well, Darren, I don't want to think about that because it's like really nice outside and I'm going to the lake. And you don't have to think about it, but understand even if you're not thinking about it, you know it deep down inside and there's a sadness because of it. And if you happen to be somebody who believes that we came from nothing and we're going to nothing, if that's what you believe, understand you should be sad because if you have the courage to believe that, you ought to believe and understand that that means your life is meaningless then. Because someday, no one is going to remember you were here or remember anything you did, if this is all there was. I was listening to uh, one of my favorite podcasts, and you thought you were going to judge me for uh, the iPhone, but This American Life is one of my favorite podcasts. A few months ago, they were a guy in there, and he was talking about Fermi's Paradox. Fermi's paradox is very simple for physicists and, and uh, astrologists and astronomers. It is, if, if we're not alone, where are they? It's very simple. If we're not alone, and they're talking about life on other planets, where are they? And what he was talking about was how sad he was at the realization that we're probably alone. And the host of the show, Ira Glass, is like, I don't understand why you're so sad. And here's why he was, under, he was sad. He understood that if we're alone, that this is a miserable existence. And I loved it, I'm listening to it, I'm like shouting into my earphones, but we're not alone. <laughs> he did come, he's been here, he's coming back. Because it gives your life meaning. But without that, there's this existential angst that you feel you can't even articulate it, and the older you get, you begin to think, is this all there was? Is this it? The existential angst, and it could be that that's crushing your spirit. It could be, we don't have time to go into this. It could be financial. I don't know if Travis Alexander's here this morning, but we, you know, some of you guys, Craig and Bethany, are you up here with babies? With Craig, you guys, when you guys do debt-free screams on the Dave Ramsey show, you familiar with this? We're debt-free! Just last week, uh, two weeks ago, a young couple in our church, 25 and 22 years old, paid off $40,000 in loans. They get on Dave Ramsey and they scream. Whoa! You know what they're screaming? Freedom, because financially, it was crushing their spirit. And it might be in you that that might be where your pressure is coming from. Your spirit is crushed because I'm like, I'm trapped in these payments. I'm trapped in this thing. But I want to say this though, and I, in the time we have, that there isn't a faith aspect of this too. And I'm not just talking about faith in God because he says in Proverbs 13, 12 that a hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a longing fulfilled is a tree of life. As humans, we're putting our hope in something. We just are. We're just wired to do that. Your hope might be in a relationship. Your hope might have been in your marriage. Your hope might have been in your career. First day at work, woohoo! Your hope might have been in the new car. You know what you call the, when you, the buyer's remorse? Are you familiar with this? The buyer's remorse thing? All that is is your spirit not being fulfilled by what you thought was going to fulfill it. Because when I put my hope in anything other than Christ, that that hope is not fulfilled and it is a hope deferred and it makes your heart sick. It crushes your spirit. 
These are just I've, just, I've got five on here, I know I talked about six, of the ways inside of us that the world wants to tear you down. And you've, in your life, might even right now think, yeah, but I'm in this relationship, I'm married, and it's like I, they, no, nobody knows me, I, I feel like nobody understands me. That is biblical as well, Proverbs 14, 13, each heart knows its own bitterness, no one else can share its own joy. What he's saying is that there is an, listen, an irreducible solitude in the human existence that the reason that they don't understand you is you don't even understand yourself. Not completely. You understand yourself better than everybody else, but not completely. Which is why you can sit in a room of counseling and going, oh wait, that was a sad story? Oh, that explains everything. The whole life of that, right? I will say this, the one thing you need to know is that the only eyes in the universe that can see you from top to bottom have seen you all the way to the bottom and loves you all the way to the top. And that's a piece that you can't, oh, that's amazing. So what do we do about that? Because I've pretty much just said there's no hope, all right? I've said that there's, the thing where I'm struggling right now, or you're struggling, that there, there could be five different things and it could be a combination of the things. It could have started physical and then went to emotional and now it's back to physical because it's made me sick. What do we do about that? How do we build ourselves up if our self isn't just the spirit? In a Christian world, sometimes we'll say, okay, I'm gonna make this a moral thing. So if you're depressed, we'll just repent because I'm making it a moral thing. And if you've, ever been, if you've ever struggled with depression and someone has told you to repent of it, I want you to know I'm sorry that that happened to you and that is not Jesus. Is it physical? Is it, is it emotional? Because in emotional then I say, well, what I need to do is medicate you. Because a doctor wants to medicate it, a friend wants to hang out, a Christian wants to say it's moral and God says, no, 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 stop. It's lots of things. Take a step back, take a deep breath and remember what what Paul said in Philippians 3 at the end of his ministry. He'd been at it a long time and he said, not that I've already taken hold of all of this. Paul wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. Not that I've already taken hold of all of this. I think it's 3.13. But this, I do know, forgetting what is behind, I am pressing forward towards the mark of the high calling of Christ. Your building yourself up isn't a destination, it's a journey towards something. I think in the church world for a long time, I thought, well, we, you know, I don't know how many of you guys did. I did this like 80, 800 times probably in the 80s. Altar call, keyboards playing, I'm down at the front, I'm repenting, I'm never gonna do that again until tomorrow, <laughs> starting now, never doing that again. Okay, next week, starting now. Because that wasn't what Jesus ever promised that that would happen that way. Building yourself up, the verb is a present participle, which means an ongoing process. It means that if you're gonna build a house, it takes a while. You gotta do different things on it. You're building the basement here. You're putting the rooms in. I gotta put sheetrock on it. I gotta put the shingles on. It takes a while. And he's saying to you, build yourself up. By the, not build your faith up. Build yourself up in your most holy faith keeping yourself in the love of God. I, I guess what I'm saying, I just want to give you permission to take your time, that he loves you just the way you are and he loves you way too much to let you stay that way. He wants to keep moving you along this process.
keep moving you, and you are the only one in this. In fact, you think about it, it's kind of awesome because he invited you to participate in it. He could have waved a magic wand. I mean, he could make it rain turtles if he wanted to. But he didn't because he's, this is a part of a process in our life and it's making us stronger, it's making us better, and we are not earning our salvation. June 24, he actually says it's him who's gonna keep you. He's talking about you building yourself up so that you can have the kind of freedom that you wanted your whole life. The freedom from fear, the freedom, whatever it is that you've got, he's promising that if you'll do some work on it, and look, there are things that you can do. Uh, I, I've been through an, uh, an intensive with, uh, with Chip Dodd. Uh, Brian's here this morning, I know he's, he's been to that rodeo. Well, that was fun. Um, I've, I've gone through uh, other intensives that we've, we've counselors before. Uh, just recently, I started reading the book Wild at Heart. Anybody know that book? What a great book. By the way, if you're 46 and reading it, it's a lot different than at 30 when I read it the first time. Like, wow, that's what he was talking about. But it's working on me, building me up. And I would be willing to bet that there are those in this room that have been moving so fast and going so far serving other people that you've never stopped to love yourself like the way God loves you enough to stop and start doing some work on you, not because you're a mess and not because you're a disaster, but because God loves you and he wants you free. Now that said, I can't do that in 30 minutes on a Sunday morning. I just can't. But God has amazing ministries, amazing people and counselors and, and people that do discipleship that walk you through that. What is discipleship? I love what Benny says, Luke chapter six, verse 40, that a disciple when he is fully formed is not greater than his master, he's just like his master. What did we say last night, uh, week that Romans 8.30 was just you, you becoming in the image of Christ is what the goal is. That is all things working together for good. You becoming in the image of Christ. Why was Jesus a carpenter? Because carpenters make something from something into something else. He wants to be a part of that journey of making you into something. And so for you this morning, and there's just the few minutes I have left, what, what do I have to offer other than, than the encouragement, and not that you needed permission, but permission to love yourself enough to start down a journey of, of freedom, and if you've already started it, to keep going. But the thing that I can offer you as, as a Jesus guy that, that is a preacher of the gospel is the tree of life. What? What did it say in Proverbs that a hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a longing fulfilled is a tree of life? What did he mean by that? The tree of life is mentioned in three books of the Bible. There's 66 books total. Only three of them talk about the tree of life. One is Genesis, one is Revelation, and one is the book of Proverbs. And in the book of Proverbs, it's actually mentioned three times, the tree of life. The tree of life doesn't just speak of eternal life, but of satiation and fulfilled life. In the book of Revelation, it comes back because I believe there's a picture for us to say that that's the longing that we've been, we've been longing for that fulfillment in everything. My wife, my children, my job, my career, they all gave me joy and fulfillment, but none of them could do what Jesus is doing. And any time I'm putting the job on them to do what only Jesus can do, I'm always gonna be disappointed. But the tree of life is there in Genesis because if you remember, God told Adam, look, obey me in regards to the tree and you will live. And what did Adam do? He disobeyed. 
And it says in Genesis 3 that now there's a flaming sword between us and the tree of life, swinging back and forth. Nobody can get to that fulfillment. So Jesus comes along, and the books of the New Testament refer to the cross as a tree. First Peter, Galatians, Acts, all refer to it as a tree. Why, pray tell, would they do that? God told Adam, obey me in regards to the tree and you will live and he disobeyed. He told Jesus, obey me in regards to the tree and you will die so that they may live. And Jesus climbed onto the tree willingly. Psalm 22 says, there's this messianic prophecy that says, why my, my heart inside of me is wax, it's melting. My soul, the ultimate soul, spirit being crushed happened to Jesus on the cross so that you and I might live. And I promise you this, that if you do any, anything, you can go to the Tony Robbins seminar, you can do all these amazing things, but if you don't start with the tree of life, that it all just leaves you. It's one more unfulfilled hope deferred without the tree of life in the middle of it. And my encouragement to you, because you'll say, well, no, I can just do it on my own then. No, 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 that's not what I said. We're gonna talk next week, actually two weeks from now, about building each other up, what that looks like. But each other, sometimes I need to just remind myself, you know how long it takes to get the gospel inside of you? I was praying for the service this morning back in my little prayer room and it was like, it just started hitting me all over again. Whoa. Like I'm about to say this to you guys, but I gotta remember, he's, he, me, like he, like and it really started welling up inside of me. I'm 46 years old, I've been a Jesus guy since I was in fifth grade and it still wells up inside of me as I begin to build myself up. He's invited you into that process. And whatever journey you take, whether it's reading Voice of the Heart by Chip or Wild at Heart or Captivated or you're in a Bible study together working it out, whatever paths you're on, start with the tree of life because that's where it's gonna end. And he said to build yourself up in your most holy faith. Why? I think for starters, the freedom we're getting from it, but because then he says, and then you're gonna rescue others from their doubts. You're gonna be able to help those who are in need, and let me tell you, we have a world right now that is in need and needs people to be able to save them out of the drowning, and what you can't do is jump in the pool with them, because what is the worst place to be trying to save a drowning person? In the water with them. You're building up your strength. I would love nothing more than this church to be full of people who are built up. What did we say last week? If the church isn't a what and instead is a who, then building up the church is building up you. It's by Dr. Seuss. <laughs> Dr. J. Seuss. <laughs> Stand to your feet. Sorry. Stand to your feet. I gotta let you out of here. <laughs> It's all about reaching the kids. I'm just trying to be culturally relevant. Look, I, I, as serious as I can be, some of you guys in here I know need a miracle in your life. 
that is not physical, it's emotional. Some of you need a miracle that is uh, that's existential. You need, my challenge to you is to literally start doing the work. Let, why does it say praying in the spirit? Because the spirit's gonna lead you to where you gotta start. Where am I gonna start in this? The spirit will lead you in where you're gonna start. How do you eat an elephant? One bite at a time, right? But where do I even start? Let the spirit lead you. Is it physical? Is it emotional? Is it, and I, man, I've been on this journey. I I like Paul. I feel like if Paul hadn't arrived, I'm not even close. I'm like in the first 10% of this journey, which makes it exciting because I'm looking ahead to the high calling of Christ, to being made into the image of Jesus. And I want to wake up tomorrow and be the next most humble version of Darren. And then on Tuesday, I want to wake up and be the next most humble version, one day at a time. You guys, this week, go and build yourselves up in your most holy faith, keeping yourselves in the love of God. Let's pray. Jesus, I laid a lot on him this morning. I know you laid a lot on me, Father, and I'm just pray that there's seeds that are planted this morning. Uh, that there's courage in people's hearts to rise up, to, to find even just some awareness. Like, oh, that's what I need to work. Lord, begin to speak to us and show us where to start. For some of us, financial. For some of us, it's just as simple as I need to be with other people because I've isolated myself. But Lord, I believe that you can give us the wisdom that we need. So Spirit, That's our invitation to you this morning, to mold us, to shape us, to counsel us. It's what you said the Spirit would do. Jesus, we love you. Thank you. Thank you for allowing us to participate in this journey. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen.